out there? Great. So, we are in day four of our Rohatsu Sushin, and uh, it's wonderful to be here, even though we have this abbreviated schedule. Uh, I think one thing that we've done that's effective is actually to have uh, these two long blocks of zazen uh, one in the morning one in the afternoon three periods in a row which is actually that's not so usual for us but uh it's great it just allows us to go more deeply and so i'm appreciating that uh there's new people here today, and there looks like there's a couple of new people out there in Zoom land. And just to remind you that uh, today, Ryushin, Andrea Thatcher, and I are available to uh, meet with you, uh, either the first people on uh, online. Actually, I'm not sure how you how you sign up at this point, but uh, people in person can sign up on, on the bulletin board and we'll meet with you in the afternoon. Uh, when I was sitting the last period here, just, uh, I've been trying to practice. We've been, we, sorry, we've been studying Fukan Sazenki, which is Dogen's universal recommendation of the principles of zazen. Uh, it's, it's really a basic zazen instruction that includes really the, the whole spiritual framework of, of zazen. So what is it that we're doing uh, that is a way of understanding or actually practicing the nuts and bolts that are uh, described in his instructions. And so um, I've been trying to practice that. Uh -huh. And this morning, just opening my senses in my mind to whatever was, whatever is arising. Uh -huh. And, you know, about nine o'clock, uh, the two guys have been working on the shed next door showed up and we hear their voices. It seems like we heard radio, we heard, uh, I heard the, the birds, I heard the jet planes going overhead. Uh, heard some very uh, 
uh, interesting music. Uh, I'm not sure what it was. It didn't sound like it was the radio. Maybe it was the Thai temple, but it's like, it's very challenging to hear these things and not listen to them. Uh, it's challenging to let them flow through, but uh, it's, it's the effort I'd like to encourage you to make. And we're going to talk about uh, that in the course of today. We're going to talk about these three really principal teachings of uh, Dogen's that come up in the first third of uh, Fukunza Zengi. Uh, the idea, the, uni the unity of practice realization, rather than the separation of practice with the goal of realization, but actually the manifestation of realization that is expressed by our practice. Uh, to me, that's what practice realization means. It means that, uh, and Dogen often said this, that uh, if we, in all beings, in all living things, are part of the unfolding Buddha nature, then the practice that we do is not an attempt to realize that or to have some large experience, but actually the practice is an expression of that. So there's practice realization, and come back to that in more detail. And uh, the way we do practice realization is through shikantasa, uh, just sitting, if you will, we'll talk about that a bit more. And that practice realization is this expression that Dogen uses quite frequently throughout his work. Uh, we use it, it's actually the last words of our, uh, the session guidelines that Rob read is, drop body and mind. What does that mean, to drop body and mind? Uh, it sounds like a big deal. And it sounds like something uh, that we really should all strive to do. Uh, and there may, I think that there's, there's other ways to look at it, which I'll suggest to you. So, um, to return to where we were uh, on Tuesday, um, we were at this passage in Genjokon where he says, you should therefore cease from practice based on intellectual understanding, pursuing words and following after speech, and learn the backward step 
that turn your, turns your light inwardly to illuminate yourself. So I think there's, there's some more to say about that. Um, thinking about this light, My understanding is that the light that he's speaking of is the light of awareness and attention. Uh, and this is a this is an unusual quality that seems uh, in a sense all living things have it. That, uh, a blade of grass, a flower, a tree. They all have an awareness. They have an awareness of uh, where the light is to reach towards it because that gives them life. You turn towards life. It's an awareness which may not be aware in the terms that we're used to thinking about it, but it reaches for the light in one direction, and they send down roots to reach for the water and nutrients in the other direction. That is awareness. And all animals have awareness. Um, even the smallest insect, has aware, an awareness that turns it towards uh, food and nutrients, and that turns it away from danger. And of course, animals have it and we have it. One of the things that distinguishes us, I believe, well, it may also be a function that's available to other mammals and other animals, but what's unusual in our situation is we have the ability to direct our attention. It's not just reflexive. It's not just hardwired into us. There are some things that are hardwired, but this awareness, we can direct it, we can shine that light in a variety of directions. What Dogen is suggesting here is to shine that light inwardly. Uh, there's a wonderful koan that uh, probably many of you are familiar with. It's case 86 in the Blue Cliff Record. Uh, Master Yunman said, everyone has their own light, but when you look for it, you can't see it. It's dark, dark. And he asked, what is that light? And then he answered himself. He said, the kitchen pantry the entry gate, 
that light is along with awareness, it's where we cook stuff up. It's where we enter every circumstance and every situation that we come to. <coughs> And then he said, as a sort of capping line, uh, it's better to have nothing than something good. It's better to have no thing. It's better to not to cling, cling to something and to point yourselves towards some desideratum something good. So, um, we can think of turning this light inward rather than outward. Often our attention goes outward, but the inward is a way of really disentangling ourselves from uh, this kind of ceaseless project of making things into objects. Uh, and this is what drop body and this is one way to look at drop body and mind. To drop body and mind is to make these physical and mental perceptions transparent to to see whether partially or entirely that whatever we're perceiving is part of this vast interconnected reality this oneness So I wanted to, um, let's go back for a moment and just look at this word, shikantaza. So shikantaza is Dogen's Japanese translation of the Chinese phrase, jijuan dajuo, just sitting. Uh, but shikan, what you encounter when you study Dogen is that there's often, uh, there's a lot of wordplay. So Shikan is uh, in the Chinese, uh, also has the meaning, can be pronounced, well, if it's, it's a homophone. And so, uh, what it can also mean, the same sounding words, uh, actually is concentration and observation, which is what we know as the classic, uh, the classic Buddhist meditation instructions of uh, shamatha and vipassana. But Dogen meant something else. He was trying not to separate these things. And he was pointing to it as Shikantaza is, exa is exactly the
the manifestation of practice realization. It's, we sit here and we sit in the flow. It's like we're, we've stepped into the middle of a river, a river of arising perceptions, river of feelings, river of emotions, and uh, we just are allowing that river to flow around us. Sometimes inevitably it catches us up and we drift along with it for a while. And then we set our feet down and we just, we just also watch it. So this is, uh, this is one major stool of meditation. Uh, there really are two basic approaches to meditation and they're, they're characterized in, in the Zen school. Uh, so I would say, without any judgment or evaluation, there's meditation which is really essentially a concentration practice. And there's meditation which is an open awareness. Those are, those are really two essential approaches to, to meditation. Uh, now, in Japanese Buddhism, uh, each one of those approaches had a way of characterizing the other. Uh, we, we, we've come down to think of, uh, well, the, the Soto Shu characterizes, or Soto Zen, uh, the, the, the uh, approach that calls for open awareness characterizes the other approach as Kana Zen, which is, means studying to accomplish something. And they, that's become sort of traditionally ascribed to the Rinzai school. Uh, and then the Rinzai school characterizes this open awareness school as uh, Mokushu Zen, as uh, silent illumination, but with, in a pejorative sense, like you're you're sitting there doing nothing. Uh, so these are these are just these are polemics. Uh, and in fact, in Dogen's time, and he talked about this particularly as he grew older, uh, he is he grew more critical. Uh, but um, in fact, at that point, things hadn't hadn't really crystallized. So it wasn't so much that he was criticizing the Rinzai school as a school, or they were creating the Soto school as a school. It just, there were people who, there were teachers who emphasized one approach and teachers who emphasized the other. And those could be found in, in either school, certainly going back to uh, Song Dynasty. But without any characterization, without 
a critique of the other side. What I'd say is that these are both really important ways to conduct your practice. And there's elements of, of each that interpenetrate the other. And certainly today, I know uh, when I went to, when I've been practicing with Shoba Harada, who's a pretty orthodox Rinzai teacher, he said, you already have your practice, you should do Shikantaza. And uh, on the other side, uh, uh, quite a few years ago, uh, Aiken Roshi kind of tempted me. He said, oh, you have a, you have a uh, propensity towards words and phrases. Wouldn't you like to, wouldn't you like to do koan practice? Uh, and uh, I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I tried it for a while, but my home is here. My home really is in this Shikantaza school. Shikantaza is just shining the light inward to see all that arises. So when you do that, we get to the next part of the Fuganza's Envy. The next lines are um, that next line say, body and mind of themselves will drop away and your original face will be manifest. If you want to attain suchness, you should practice suchness without delay. Body and mind will drop away. So uh, this body and mind dropping away, in Japanese, uh, the words are shinjin datsuraku. Uh, and that also, you could say, that just describes the process of being absorbed in Chitantaza. Uh, so the story of this, uh, I'm sure that many of you know it, but I'll, I'll tell it again. This goes back to Dogen's experience uh, at, at Mount Kentai with his teacher, Rujin. Uh, one evening, Rujin was making his greetings round, and uh, there was a monk near Dogen who had fallen asleep, just and uh, Rujin shouted at that monk uh, and said, to study Zen is to cast off body and mind. Why are you engaged in single-minded sleeping rather than single-minded zazen? And hearing this, Dogen had a great awakening experience. And uh, what that did was it, it blew away all the clouds of doubt that he had about the relationship between meditation and enlightenment, they were resolved. 
he saw that this was one. And shortly after he went to Ruching's quarters and he burned incense saying, I've come because body and mind are dropped away. Ruching responded approvingly saying, body and mind is cast off, cast off body and mind. Dogen said, well, do not approve this transmission, this uh, uh, understanding so easily. And, uh, you know, don't, you know, can't you test me a bit further? And Nujing uh, said sharply, cast off, casting off. Casting off body and mind is actually just the beginning. But it's something, one of, the, one of the difficulties with this characterization, uh, this story is that uh, it frames dropping body and mind as something really big. You know, it's like a big awakening. And so that puts us back into the problematic territory of, you know, whether our practice is aimed at some great awakening or not. Um, and this is, this is really a challenge for us. Uh, but I think as they, as he goes on and Dogen talks about Dogen talks about dropping off body and mind a lot. And it's interesting because there's another, there's a whole, this is maybe uh, somewhat peripheral, but there's a, a scholarly debate about what Shinjin Datsuraku means. And again, as in that, in other cases, it's a question of whether Dogen was uh, was hearing something correctly, or was uh, communicating what he heard correctly, or was he doing what Dogen so often does, this kind of creative twist on the sound of words. So Shinjin Datsuraku with the characters that Dogen uses means uh, dropping body and mind. Uh, but the sound, again, in Chinese, of what Ruching supposedly said uh, in the dialect that Ruching probably used, and we don't know, we don't know anything about this. this the thing is, we, this is also something we're completely making up, but the scholars like to argue about this, but that the sound of, of what Dogen construed as Shinjin Datsuraku could also mean drop the dust of the mind, which is, uh, goes back to what we were speaking of uh, on Tuesday about the 
the uh, the dialogue, the poetry dialogue uh, between uh, Wiening and uh, senior monk at his temple, Shen Shu, about, you know, uh, is there dust? Do we wipe off the dust? But anyway, Dogen really takes it in this direction, drop off body and mind. Um, I'd like to read you something that uh, uh, Tainan Layton, teacher in our tradition in Chicago, says, um, Dogen starts off by talking about body and mind dropped off. It's funny that he says body and mind dropped off is the beginning of our effort. Dropping off body and mind is an important technical phrase for Dogen. Body and mind dropped away is, is also the name that Dogen uses for Zazen. Uh, for him, Zazen is simply dropping off body and mind. Uh, so the practice of Zazen, uh, it's the practice of Zazen that is our dropping off body and mind. It is our way of It's, to me, it's our way of rendering everything that comes through our mind, which is everything. Everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything that we feel. To drop off body and mind means not to turn those into things, but actually to make them transparent. As Jerry was talking about yesterday, if I become angry, instead of construing that as something real, can I just see it as an energy? Can I see it as something, can I see through it? Can I see through the anger to the fear? And can I see through the fear to the place of not knowing, to the place of openness? So to shine the light inward is to keep working backwards through these layers of perception that we so earnestly want to turn into something real. So Tygen says, for, for Dogen, Zazen is simply dropping body and mind. It is also his name for Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, complete, unsurpassed, perfect enlightenment. Uh, in some sense, Body and mind dropped off refers to the letting go of our ancient karmic attached attachment to this limited body and mind. We are conditioned to try to acquire objects to embellish, enhance, or improve this body and mind. So just dropping off body and mind is to abandon 
that effort of acquisitiveness and is a statement of the ultimate for Dogen. Um, and then he comes to, we have another conundrum about dropping body and mind. Um, it seems to imply that we're supposed to go to a place of no thought, no feeling, no awareness, somehow go beyond awareness. And Tygen writes, body and mind may be dropped off, but that does not mean we have no awareness. Quite the opposite. Yes, when body and mind have dropped away, how do we discern their awareness? Their, I'm sorry, how do we discern their absence? We discern it, I would say, by virtue of the light that we experience. The light that when we try to look at it is dark, but we recognize that that light of awareness, that's the only way that we can see the absence. So the next sentence is, if you want to practice, if you want to attain suchness, you should practice suchness without delay. Suchness is, in a sense, uh, the other side of emptiness. Uh, it's when we look at the page of emptiness, the other side of that page is suchness. Uh, and they imply each other. Uh, suchness is just uh, the fullness of reality that's free from our conceptualization. It's really what it's free from is our self-centered thoughts. It's just sitting here, hearing the birds, hearing the planes, hearing the electric screwdriver. <laughs> it's pretty good how acute that is, isn't it? <laughs> um, and even though we have a conceptualization, there's something beyond that conceptualization. And in fact, the conceptualization itself is beyond conceptualization. How does it work? How did I hear that and know that was an electric screwdriver? That's, that is miraculous. But we have to slow down enough, which is why we're in Sejin, to slow down enough to actually hear it instead of just not registering this orchestra that is always playing. It's 
enjoy that orchestra. So from this point on, but from this point on, um, Dogen comes to, he turns to the really nuts and bolts Sazen instruction. And this is really familiar with us, but familiar to us, but it also is, uh, is very rich. Uh, so he says, for, for Sanzen, now, that's what the word that's used in, uh, I forget what I put in there, whether Sanzen means essentially Zazen, but, but actually, uh, San, Sanzen is what we, is in the Rinzai school, Sanzen is what is used for uh, what we call Dokusan. Uh, I think it's the same San. Uh, and that San means uh, to study or investigate. Uh, so uh, in uh, Carl Bielfeld's translation of he says, uh, for the study of Zen. But for Zazen, it's fine. It's, for Zazen, a quiet room is suitable. Eat and drink moderately. Cast aside all involvements and cease all affairs. Do not think good and bad. Do not administer pros and cons. Cease all movements of the conscious mind. But I think what that means to me is to make the mind open, flexible, and receptive. So in other words, we don't have to try to move our mind. We don't have to try to direct our mind towards a koan or towards a concentration. Um, we allow our mind to be receptive. And therefore, we're not gauging or measuring all of our thoughts and views. Have no designs on being a Buddha. So this is, uh, this refers to a very famous story, which you probably have heard, but I'll tell it again quickly. Um, it's a koan, it's a story that takes place between Master uh, Nangaku uh, and Master Baso. Uh, Nangaku was a teacher. He came uh, to visit Baso at his hut. And uh, he asked Baso, what have you been doing recently? And Baso replied, recently, I have been doing seated meditation exclusively. And Nagako asked, well, what is the aim of your seated meditation? Basso says, the aim of my seated meditation is to become a Buddha. So Nagako turns around and he picks up a piece of roof tile uh, that was happened to be on the ground. And he begins rubbing it on a rock. Basso saw this and said, uh, Reverend Monk, what are you doing? 
Nangaku replied, I am polishing a tile. What are you going to make by polishing a roof tile? Nangaku replied, I'm polishing it to make it a mirror. Basso said, how can you possibly make a mirror by rubbing a tile? Nangaku said, Nangaku said, how can you possibly make yourself into a Buddha by doing seated meditation? So that's that's kind of that's the reference. The seated meditation is not an instrumentation, it's not an instrumentality. It's not performative, it's just being. But then Dogen says, Zazen has nothing to do with sitting or lying down. It's not about your posture, it's actually about how we hold our minds in this state of openness. We're working on it, we get to work on it in these wonderful uh, three hour blocks of meditation that we have this week. And we just get to open our minds and be receptive and to make ourselves more malleable. So Dogen then goes into the details. And I'd like you to just be aware that the, the details that Dogen talks about is uh, it's a very comfortable practice. It's not a practice of harshness and austerities. It says, at the site of your regular seating, spread out thick matting and place a cushion above it. So thick sabaton. Uh, this is changed, I will say, when you know, in Japan, no zabatons. Actually, in the Sota, no zabatons. In inside, they have really big, thick, thick zabatons. But in, uh, when I was at Nsuyoji, and I, had, at, I saw this at AH and Nsuyoji too, you, your zafu was sitting on top of, right on top of the tatami. And uh, it's hard. Spread out thick matting and place a cushion above it. Sit either in the full lotus or half lotus position. And then it goes into detail. In the full lotus position, you place your right foot on your left thigh and your left foot on your right thigh. In the half lotus position, you simply press your left foot against your right thigh. You should have your robes and belt loosely bound and arranged in order. Then place your right hand on your left leg and your left palm facing upwards on your right palm, thumb tips touching. This, this instruction is 700 years old and it's still exactly what we're doing. And it works, you know, uh, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, thus, sit, sit upright in correct bodily posture, neither inclining to the left nor to the right, neither leaning forward nor backward. 
being sure, be sure your ears are on a plane with your shoulders and your nose is in line with your navel. Place your tongue against the front roof of your mouth with teeth and lips both shut. Your eyes should always remain open and you should breathe gently through your nose. It's deeply encouraging to me that this is, this is the instruction that we were given when we came here. Uh, it's, a, it's a living tradition. And in fact, it goes back even hundreds of years before this, because if you look at the, the earliest Chinese uh, versions of Zazengi, it's the same instruction. And it's what we do. When some uh, necessary variation, the necessary variation is that we have to sit uh, in this alignment in keeping with the particularities of our body. And so even in, there's a very extensive uh, Soto Zen commentary on, uh, contemporary Soto Zen commentary on uh, Fukan Zazengi and uh, the scholar who's writing, scholar practitioner who's writing about it says, well, now sometimes we have to sit in chairs or we have to sit in benches. Sometimes here we have to lie down or we have to stand up. But this is why we say, what Dogen says, he starts at this instruction saying, Sazen has nothing to do nothing whatever to do with sitting or lying down. Uh, if you're going to sit down, here's a way that's worked for people. Uh, and we have to find what to do. The idea of it all, we'll come to this tomorrow, I think. Um, the essence of our zazen is there are three elements of it that are all integral. There's our body, which is manifested, manifest in the posture that we use. There's our breath, which Dogen actually doesn't speak a lot about. Uh, and I think we'll talk about that a little tomorrow, why, why the breath instruction is so simplified. And there's our mind, body, breath, and mind. Uh, these are the elements of our meditation practice. Uh, and they're supposed to be, it's supposed to be a comfortable way. Which doesn't mean there are no difficulties, but we establish it through these, these three fundamental aspects body, breath, and mind. And 
just to say, if you want to really see a beautiful integral approach to these three things, uh, I really encourage you to uh, look at Sojin Roshi's 2020 uh, Zazen instruction, uh, which is on the PCC website. Uh, it's, it's succinct, it's beautiful, it's to the point, and, you know, it was uh, just an incredible example of really his late teaching in which things were really compressed and just really alive. Uh, so I strongly, if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it lately, I strongly recommend that you read that because it's, it's the integration of body, breath, and mind. So I'm going to stop here. We, we will continue tomorrow with this investigation. And um, if you have any uh, thoughts, questions on what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about today, just uh, we have just a little time for discussion. So please, uh, either in the room or online. I'll look for their digital hands online. Mary. In the Soto tradition, we have um, a tradition of studying of chicken taza being, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, a gateway to the jhanas. A gateway to, a gateway to what? Jhanas. Ah, the question was in Soto tradition, do we have, um, is Shikantaza, uh, does it open a gateway to the jhanas? Um, I think that the answer is no. Uh, that we don't really, it's to me, the jhanas, as I understand them, so jhana means concentration. Uh, and in fact, the word for Zen is derived as Zen. Uh, in Chinese, it was known as Chan, which was the Chinese uh, way of rendering the word jhana. Uh, but the jhanas have been somehow taken out of, taken from the early, the Pali suttas and turned, so the, the jhanas are first spoken about in the description of the Buddha's enlightenment. Uh, he moves through this jhana and that jhana, and each jhana has a particular, it's uh, come to have a particular characterization of experience. Uh, and what evolved in the meditation approach uh, in meditation approaches that, that come from early Buddhism was uh, the creation of the jhanas as distinct meditation practices that you would do distinct kinds of meditation and to actualize this jhana 
than that genre and that genre. And it's, it's, it's being taught today. Um, that's a methodology that, that's taught. My feeling from, from reading the, uh, the story of the Buddha's awakening was it wasn't that he was aiming for these particular jhanas. It's just like, this is, these are the states of mind that arose. And the context for them actually precedes Buddhism. These are these are pre-Buddhist meditation uh, descriptions of of meditational states. So, we, to make a long story short, practice realization is it. It's the whole. It's 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 all we need to loosely hold. So thank you. Uh, yeah, present. Uh, why, why, why cultivate a more open awareness? Why? Yeah. Um, well, one thing comes what comes to mind right right away is different strokes for different folks. Mm -hmm. You know. Some people may really need concentration because maybe their minds are all over the place and they need to maintain it. It's not that there's, it's concentration is not absent from our practice. It's, it's always, it's always there. Uh, there's always a, a, an important element of samadhi. It's just, it's not, it's not the focus. It's not samadhi so that you can break through uh, to some other state of mind. Uh, and to be maybe somewhat tendentious, uh, my feeling is that open awareness is an approach that allows us to attune ourselves to everything that's happening around us. To open awareness is a way of harmonizing the world. It's a way, if we have an open awareness, then we're open to everyone that's here. We're open to everything that's happening out there. And it's not that concentration is exclusive of that, but it's also true you can be incredibly concentrated and go incredibly deep and be largely unaware of what's going on around you. Uh, so that's, that's a possibility. But as I said, I'm sort of taking sides here, right? Uh, and uh, I think ultimately, when you look at, when you listen to the really deep, deep teachers and all schools of Buddhism. Um, they're talking about the oneness of reality. And they have different paths to get there. So the, the, the more concentrated flavor is to be more helpful to someone with 
perhaps a painful mind. The more open style is perhaps better Yeah, so he's he, president is saying that maybe the more open, more concentrated style is uh, useful for a person who has a kind of busy or ruminating mind, uh, whereas a uh, an open awareness. I'm not sure. What did you say there? Some sense better if you're trying to tune into everything. Yeah. He said, then he says, he's asking if the more open style is better if you're trying to tune into everything. I just I can't make such a clear distinction. I've got a very busy mind, you know, and so some concentration is good for me, but still the fundamental practice that that I rely on is this open awareness. Mostly, I mean, I think that's what my teacher did. And that's what his teacher did. And that seems to, what it seems to have done, <laughs> you've got to look at, really, you also take, a, take the backward step, not just shine the light inwardly, but look at your life. And you can ask yourself, what's integrating my life? How's my life going? And I say that this practice saved my life. And it saves my life. And it's doing this practice has created a wholeness, a sense of wholeness. And just appreciation that I, I can't really fully express. I can't say that wouldn't have happened if I'd had a Rinzai teacher either. I just say this is what this is where I've where I plant my trust. So rather than saying that that, uh, that practice is a concentration practice, would you say Yes, I say Zen. There's always an element of there has to be an element of concentration, but where actually the fundamental effort that we see, and this is where Sochin put the effort. Is you actually your concentration is on your body. I mean, he was really strongly rooting uh, rooting the element of effort in our posture, uh, and. If your posture is aligned, then you're in alignment with the world. And that's going to open up everything. Uh, so we can talk more about this. Yeah. Uh, Dan? Um, Dogen uses this phrase, perceptive samadhi. Um, that's how it's translated in the book of And to me, that Kind of resolves concentration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. He said, Dogen uses the term uh, receptive samadhi. Um, 
Yeah, that's the way the way I think about it. You know, there's there's a conundrum uh, that I like to play with, which is the instruction that we get is concentrate on everything, which is just like it's like kind of one of those things like the Bodhisattva vow. It's like I vow to beings are numberless. I vow to save them all. You know, it's like. Uh, oh, concentrate on everything, which means just really open your mind. Is there anyone out there? Time for maybe one or two more in here. Ross. Um, you had said, um, well, you were talking about turning the light inward, and then the inmates um, announced that. Where is the light? It's in the temple gate and the kitchen pantry. So it's like turn the light inward, we see the light up, so called out there. And I'm wondering in our conversation, especially with Preston's uh, comment, that in concentrating out there brings the light inside. Yes. And so as Bill was talking about, like in the Tenzo Kyokan, working in the kitchen with a knife, for example, as you were saying the other day, the activity. Enlightenment is the enlightenment is seen in the activity or the light of the carrot chopping. So it's in a sense no inside, no outside, but we talk about inside and outside and where we're concentrating. That yes. I, I don't know if could you hear that at all? No. Um uh I can Ross was talking about um you know the the column that I read from Jung then uh, when he said, you know, what is this light? The kitchen pantry, the temple gate. And talking about that, how does that fit with shine the light inward? Is that, and I think that what Ross, what Ross was proposing, uh, was essentially, essentially, uh, which I fully agree with. There's no inside and outside. It's not that the kitchen pantry and the temple gate are outside. It's just, if you have this open awareness, then everything is included because everything that you perceive is always coming through the function of mind, which is, you know, a fundamental, uh, it's a, that's a fundamental uh, teaching of particularly of Mahayana Buddhism. So yeah, I agree. It's it's like at that point the temple gate and the and the pantry are not. If you're shining your light inward, they're right there. So if, yeah, if one is gardening, for uh, for instance, and you're, you're planting bulbs, that's so called out there, and something is illuminated inside us in the gardening process. Right. He said, he said, if you're planting bulbs that's so-called out there, but something is enlightening us in the gardening process, I think that the, 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 the what I would say is um, the bulbs, the activity of planting the bulbs, uh, the activity of 
using the bathroom and dressing to go out and do that, all of that is is just the total dynamic working of the entire universe. It's a that's that's oneness. That's a really good place to end. So thank you. We'll continue tomorrow. <laughs>